0: To this. Uh we're recording in the evening, but yeah, good to see you guys. Welcome back, true believers. Uh, and I I feel like I it doesn't sound as sincere when I do it versus when Matt does the Stan Lee. But uh here we here we are on Detecting the Marvelous, our your go-to number one in the world comics-related podcast. Uh my name is Dan Rosen, and I'm here with Lainey LaRose. And Matt Ardhill yeah
1: Hello. And, yeah How you and,
0: doing? yeah good to see you guys uh tonight we're talking about Craven's last hunt, which uh like I always knew about but did not realize was like this uh <laughs> <laughs> a
2: lot <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> it is yeah
0: it. yeah. And, uh, yeah, the longest spanning, anyhow, I mean, we'll get into all that. That's crazy, eh? That's wild. But, yeah, good to see you guys, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to unpacking all this.
1: You want me to tell you a little bit about the history of Craven's Last Hunt run?
0: Yeah, yes, please. Yes, please yeah, you. this is, okay. yeah.
1: Um, so, written by J.M. DeMatteis, um, pencils by Mike Zach ink by Bob McLeod, and letters by Rick Parker, um, with colorists Bob Sherman, Janet Jackson, not that Janet Jackson, and Mike <laughs> Zach. Um, uh, John Mark uh dreamed of being a rock musician and a comic book artist. He ended up being neither, but became a great comic book writer. Uh, he, st- he started in the 70s penning for DC's uh, The Lady Killer Craves Blood uh, in the for- uh House of Mystery, which ties back to our previous episode, uh, that is one of the houses that, or the house that Cain and Abel lived in. Um, it was uh, wasn't published at the time, but they was held onto by DC for years. Uh, his first published story was The Blood Boat uh, for Weird War Tales in nineteen seventy eight, which mm-hmm. sounds like a really weird love boat, like Halloween episode, <laughs> like maybe like a, Simps- a Simpsons uh, House of Horrors kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, And he's the creator of a group of characters that are going to be featuring very heavily in the upcoming uh, new DCU, the Creature Commandos. Uh, So he is going to be the his creations are going to be the first opening foray for James Gunn's new uh, DC Cinematic Universe. Um, Yeah. So he went on to write for both DC and Marvel, writing Aquaman, Madame Xanadu, Namor, the other Aquaman. Justice League, Captain America, Doctor Fate, Moonshadow, and yes, is one of the cursed creators responsible for the Spider-Man clone saga. Oh, uh,
0: wow. we, oh we
1: we wow. can't hold that against him because he, <laughs> he did give us uh, Craven's butt. Um, <laughs> Craven's uh, Mike's, got the butt. Yeah, we got the butt. <laughs> we got a lot of butt. Um, yeah. you know, now, Mike Zach uh, began his career in '74, illustrating for Charlatan Comics, um, Charlton Comics, Charlton Comics. Uh, and working on horror titles, his first work with the big two uh, was Mar- Marvel's Master of Kung Fu uh, with Do-Meng, uh, uh, which is considered by Comics Bulletin the sixth of the, in its list of top 10 1970s marvels. Um, he worked on characters including Captain America, G.I. Joe, The Punisher, uh, Secret War storyline, and uh, designed the black and white spider-man costume oh cool um so he had a hand in the creation of venom even if just tangentially uh he also works worked for dc illustrating batman deathstroke the terminator film adaptation and the second issue of the kingdom come sequel the kingdom oh cool Now, Craven uh, was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. It was first seen in The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 15, in August 1964. Uh, His first appearance references The Hounds of Zaroff, also known as The Most Dangerous Game, written by Richard Connell about a Russian aristocrat who hunts humans Mm -hmm. for sport. Uh, When Craven calls Spider-Man the most dangerous game, it is a bit on the nose but that is why um the concept was originally pitched uh as a wonder man series um mm-hmm. uh, with wonder man being hunted down then it was repitched as a batman series where the joker kills batman um and turned him turned the jo- that ended up turning the joker sane uh, which actually would be kind of interesting mm-hmm.
2: um
1: but it was turned down because it was too close to the killing joke. Uh, right. Then it was reworked to be Hugo Strange as opposed to the Joker. Projected again. Finally um, got picked up when they pitched it to Marvel as Spider-Man and Kraven. Um, Which Jack is so interesting. In-
0: oh, sorry. I was going to say that's so interesting oh, because it seems like such a like it seems so perfectly fitting like it being a Craven and Spider-Man like dynamic. This idea,
1: yeah. I mean, like, and it kind of speaks to the sort of the, the when you can combine like they take these two mm-hmm. characters that like you know, Spider-Man or Batman and pair them off against the right person in the Rogues Gallery. A gallery, you can really tell these sort of almost universal stories because they're sort of mm-hmm. being on similar tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it doesn't feel like a recycled story. It doesn't feel like. Yeah. Out of yeah. place, and Peter is very Peter in it, and and Craven is very Craven, so it doesn't feel <laughs> really. go they just this is so the Joker just in a Craven skin. Um, yeah, uh, so when, yeah, so Zek was brought on as a penciler after reviewing the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. De Mateus, and Zek decided to, to add vermin, um, as a secondary focus. see they just thought it's a such a cool character and they co-created that character uh, oh, originally well. for captain america um the story was split between uh, all three concurrent spider-man pre- uh publications uh, and for once it was actually kind of a logical not like just a let's sell all the books um yeah. it was done because they felt it was such an important story and it would have narrative impacts in all three lines they should tell a piece of the story in all three of the issues. Um, so unlike, I don't know, say, um, X-Men's Age of Apocalypse, where you just had to buy 12 different comic books and none of them right. were actually connected in any way, but except yeah. for story thread. But that is a rant for another day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, during the, an interview ba- uh, in back issue by... Tomorrow's publishing, August 2009. Zach remarked on the cover of Part Four, Resurrection, uh, was the absolute no-brainer of six covers, and I completed that piece mm-hmm. first. If, uh, if on issue, if an issue has a scene with the title hero rising from his own grave, it's like receiving a number one gift on your Christmas list. Anyone yeah. spending even a second mulling over a cover idea for that issue would have been in the wrong business. Uh, the other covers f- uh, flowed from that one. Um, there was a slight rewrite uh, to the idea originally pitched in the 1987 giant-sized giant, an- giant sized annual for Amazing Spider-Man, The Wedding. Uh, the plot points being added with Mary Jane, because when they originally pitched it, Peter wasn't yet married. So they had to thread that narrative in uh, mm. to, to make that fit. Um, now, While working on Craven's Last Hunt, Mateus, who worked with him on Captain America, uh, remarked, because Mike nailed the plot elements so perfectly in his pencils, every action, every emotion was there. Clear as a bell. I didn't have to worry about laboring those elements in the captions or dialogue. I was free to do those interior monologues that were important to the story. If any other artist... Had drawn Craven's last hunt, it would have been wouldn't have been the same way. Um, and yeah, so there is also a novelized version released in October of 2014 and that was expanded on by Neil Clyde and tweaked to be post One More Day. So they removed Mary Jane, uh, from back from the store. Okay,
0: it's funny because actually, when I went to get it from the library, I first ordered and then I showed up and like, What the hell? This is a novel, like, and then I was like. (laughs) I was like, I don't have time for this. I I need the pictures. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn, reading. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> There's
0: enough dialogue and inner monologue to read us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So that is the history of Craven's Last Hunt.
0: Nice. Oh, wow. Very cool. That's very cool. And uh, I just wanted to say also, just like fun, uh, silly comment that I thought of is the idea that he wrote for Aquaman and Namor just like, crossing out Aquaman on his scripts and writing in Namor.
1: <laughs> <if> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So uh, Lainey, why why did you choose this issue? Yeah. This
1: run?
2: So I kind of told you Matt about this last week, but the real reason why I chose this issue is because I have had that cover that you mentioned part four as a wall plaque on my wall mm. for the last like since university, I've owned it. And then I decided to put it up behind me for since like the pandemic, mm-hmm. because like I just needed a conversation starter whenever I was on a Zoom meeting, but I've never read the actual series. So I thought and then also Craven, um, the Hunter movie was supposed to come out October 6th. So I thought this would have been the perfect timing. But then because of the Hollywood strikes, it's now been pushed to next year. But here we are.
0: Oh, wow. And I can see it. It's right there behind you right
2: now. Right here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's actually how I got my last job is uh, the person interviewing me was like, oh, is that from Craven's last hunt? I was like, I don't know, maybe. And then they told me about the whole, I was like, okay, well, now I have to
0: read it. So. You know, make her president. Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I'll start walking you guys through Craven's last hunt.
1: Yeah, sounds oh, awesome.
2: Good. Yes. So, we start off with Craven walking around his mansion naked, coming to terms with his impending death, mm-hmm. so usual Tuesday night in the life <laughs> of the aristocrat. <laughs> Outside, Craven's servants are digging some sort of grave. Craven robes up to walk through this funeral he's set up in the front of his home. As he internally monologues about one last thing he has to accomplish before he dies, he pulls from the nearly empty coffin a Spider-Man costume. Meanwhile, Spider-Man is feeling his dark and twisty feels in New York. He's got his black suit on. He's still shaken up from Nedley's death in Spider-Man vs. Wolverine. He's attending random criminals' funerals, coming to terms with his own mortality. So after a bad dream, he goes out for a swing around the city, feeling exhausted, not himself, hearing drums, which means, yes, Craven's has be- Craven has begun his hunt spider-man tries to escape but craven tranquilizes him as craven approaches peter notices something's not right with him for one he's not dragging him to a secret hideout bragging about his capture and for two he's using a gun which isn't usually craven's ammo so with a pull of a trigger we cut to spider-man being laid to rest by craven and his servants for a second you might think hope is restored as we start the next issue with a bulked out spider-man standing over that same grave but it turns out it's just it turns out to be just a sick and twisted Craven wearing a Spider-Man costume laughing maniacally over his triumph. Craven, somewhat out of his mind, decides to double down on the insanity and laps up a big bowl of hallucinogens. And his hallucinations of fighting a shit ton of spiders lead him to the conclusion that he hasn't truly beaten Spider-Man unless he becomes Spider-Man and proves that he's a better Spider-Man than Spider-Man. Meanwhile, he finds out. we find out that Sewerville villain Vermin is hanging around, dragging women into sewers and eating them alive. No big deal. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, not knowing what's happened, Mary Jane's at home waiting for Peter, but getting these bad feelings, so she decides to head out to look for him. While MJ is out, she gets cornered by some thugs. Craven, dressed as Spider-Man, jumps in and saves her. She realizes it's not Peter fighting because he doesn't hold back until she yells at him to stop. And then Cravey Spidey jumps away before she can say anything else. Hmm. So now we have Vermin roaming the streets, eating random people for breakfast. Craven's out hospitalizing bad guys and ends up killing one of them. Cops aren't sure what to do. Mary Jane isn't sure either. So she steps in, stops in to see the editor at the Daily Bugle, Joe Robertson. She shows up in the middle of the night, comes in soaking wet, sits on his couch without drying off, thanks <laughs> without saying anything. Like worst house guest ever. <laughs> yeah. Craven decides defeating Vermin will be his ultimate test because Peter couldn't defeat him without the help of from Captain America before. So he catches up to Vermin in the sewers, defeats him, and then carries him off into the sunset, kind of romantically. <laughs> Just when you think the action's over though, we see a hand pop out of the Spider-Man's grave. Peter is then we fight, we start the next issue with Peter warm and safe tucked in fetal position in this empty white void. He's hallucinating that he's seeing Ned Leeds, which has him believed that he's dead and he's kind of cool with it. At mm. first he seems very content with staying where he is, but then thoughts of Mary Jane drive him to dig himself out of the grave. He enters the mansion to find a bunch of newspaper headlines that show that all the stuff Craven has been doing, dressed as him, he makes his way back home to Mary Jane, but decides quickly after to go after Craven. So Spider Man catches up with Craven, who is eerily calm and waiting for him. I guess the drugs had worn off at that point. <laughs> kind of pissed that he was buried alive and had his life usurped for two weeks. Spider Man punches Craven, but Craven doesn't fight back. Craven explains that his mission is complete. He's defeated Spider Man, but didn't use bullets because he wanted he wanted Spider Man to know that he had been defeated. The last part of Craven's test is to release Vermin and give Spider-Man one last chance to defeat him single-handedly. Spidey first tries to reason with Vermin, but ends up fighting back more angrily than he normally does, but stops himself before going too far. That's when Vermin gets the upper hand, but before he can kill him, Craven stops him and sends him on his way. He then helps Spider-Man to his feet, monologuing how about how he's just a man now and no longer the spider he's been afraid of this whole time. He sends Spider-Man on his way to hunt down Vermin, promising that he will never hunt again. Mentioning in his monologue how this is the first time in his entire life he has felt calm and happiness, Kraven ends his life revealing that the funeral we thought was for Spider-Man, and the first issue was actually for Kraven himself. Spider-Man goes back to is crawling through the sewers, which is giving him flashbacks of being buried alive. He's monologues about how he doesn't want to be down there looking for vermin, reminding himself that he is in fact not dead. Meanwhile, Craven's servants are digging a new grave. Spider-Man finds vermin, they fight, Spider-Man captures him, reminding himself that vermin didn't ask to become what he is, so he stops himself before going too far. That's when vermin snaps the webs that held him captive and chases Spider-Man up to street level. Vermin gets overwhelmed by the light and busyness of the city and Spider-Man swoops in to capture him again with the there with police there for backup. He promises Vermin that he'll talk to Reed Richards to see if there's anything he can do for him. As he swings away, Spider-Man hears the cops say how amazing it is, how he wants to help after everything Craven's done for him. But how do they know what Craven did? Yeah. Well, wh- <laughs> while all this was happening, the police received an anonymous phone call to check out Craven's mansion. There, they found a written confession from Craven about everything that's happened. Not knowing this, Spider Man tucks that weird comment to the back of his mind and swings back home to MJ. And Craven's servants use that freshly dug grave to lay Craven to rest. And that, my friends, is Craven's last hunt.
0: Um.
1: Wow. I, 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 it's, it's an intense run. I have to say, it's a really intense run. Um, I, I, I have to. Uh, agree with Squirrel Girl, though, that is not how lion's heads work. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? it's like, right? That is like, that just makes no sense. <laughs> well, that's a that a, it's a face he's go- cutting too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, honestly, I felt like I was hallucinating while reading it sometimes because I was like, it's so... You don't get, I find, a lot of psychedelic stuff with Spider-Man, unless it's maybe like Mysterio, but yeah, True, like it was yeah. really... Uh, yeah, it was really wild. And like, man, the amount of times that Spider-Man's like died basically over the course or like, yeah, like someone's killed him, but he's gotten back to life or he's switched bodies with somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but this, this is like the ultimate one. And the way you did a really great synopsis, I think, cause it really shows how like they like attach all the threads. So even if you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense an issue later or like later in that issue, it's like. Oh right. So that does make sense then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. And yeah. Yeah. This was definitely a more dark and twisty Spider-Man than <laughs> yeah. I am used to. But no, I really enjoyed this read. And like a lot of like the hallucinations and stuff reminded me of Court of Owls and kind of the artwork itself too. Like it kind of brought yeah. me back to that too.
0: That's true. You're you're on this like hallucination t- <laughs> like uh, <laughs> run of like the heroes being trapped underground yeah. and hallucinating and being hunted. second guessing
2: everything that they've come to be and yeah you yeah. know <laughs>
0: it's quite yeah those are some real numbers you've chosen but yeah it's great i thought it was, yeah very cool and like you said like uh, like matt was saying how like it was three separate runs like concurrently but it really mm-hmm. does feel like like almost like a trilogy like three two-part sessions. so it really does mm-hmm. have that like each one has its own section but yeah I-
1: About the ending, I'm like, Reed Richards must get tired of everybody turning to him after a while. It's like, oh, there's a problem. Let's go to Reed. Like, like, that's his fault for not, like, hiding his identity, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like the entire superhero community is like, hmm, I don't know. Tony Stark can't figure it out. What does Reed have to say? Yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder how many times
0: he just like pawns it off. He's like, "Oh, I'll just send it to like Reed from Earth eight two nine, and he'll deal with it." <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, now, I, 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 Craven, and Peter both really needed to wear more pants. Yeah, I it mean- was like, guys. Like, how is the rat man living in the sewer the most clothed of Yeah, the <laughs> That's a like, really good point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: like but, Craver, I,
0: Yeah, he just has, like, a cod piece on all the time, like...
1: If that. If you're lucky, yeah. If you're lucky, yeah. <laughs> you're lucky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. he wears that loincloth like a Scotsman. So that's just my sure personal could, take yeah. on yeah. It. Yeah.
0: He, he reminds me of, like, Boomhauer from, like, uh, King of the Hill, how, like, after you see him, like, when he's, like, hooked up with someone... And like he's just like walking around. He has this little like leopard spotted, like or like cheetah spotted, yeah, like going <laughs> cloth. Yeah, Yes. Anyway. Actually,
2: you can actually trace Boomhauer's lineage to Craven. There
0: you go. That, that's right. Yeah.
2: Uh, now, now I do
1: have to, in a, a more serious note, I do really, when Craven takes over for Peter, there is a different physicality in how they're illustrated. Yes. So it's like, yeah. It, you're like, oh, that should be, like, it's a black suit with very little definition, it should be really hard, but to the illustrator's credit, the inkers and the penciler's credit, it looks different. Not just like bulkier, mm-hmm. but like the movements translate differently on the page. Um, so it's like, it's really impressively illustrated uh, front to back, I think.
0: Yeah, I really like, it's this kind of art also, I really like kind of before the like comic books got the really shiny art where like some of that is amazing, but like, you know, it was in that area where like, it looked when I guess it was more like paper pages. um, And like, you really had to, I think feel like it, you know, like you could see like, they really had to work to like make things just right. And yeah, like, I wonder, I'm sure the artist was like in front of a mirror, you know, being like, all right, so Spider-Man stands like this, but Craven stands like this. And like,
1: kind <laughs> of like sketch yeah. it
0: out. Like, Yeah.
1: And and, I, and for a story that should be and it is dialogue and, and monologue intensive at a mm-hmm. lot of spots it never feels overwhelming. Like that X-Men title that we did where it's just like box, 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 yeah, box yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just like too dense and too like monolog and exposition-y this mm-hmm. it like again and it goes back to the teamwork there where they writer could trust the artist and the artist understood the writer's brief um having worked together uh they did neat things like different colors for different internal monologues like the competing internal monologues for both craven and 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 peter how they had like their two inner voices fighting like peter's scared voice and then peter's hero voice and then craven's one crazy voice in Craven's other crazy voice yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of like um, sort of competing. And it, it it gave it a kind of dynamic nature that like narrative heavy comments I find a lot of times don't have. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Never felt overwhelming. No,
2: it was a really good balance. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch on um, you had the fact about how they had to insert um, the storyline of MJ and Peter being being married in this thing and like I didn't know that but like now saying it it was very obvious because like we were talking before it just felt like MJ just didn't go anywhere in this story but like yeah it was just kind of awkward like she she goes looking gets captured by thugs realizes it's not Peter but then like goes into the editor's house and then leaves and then that's it Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: And usually she's much more like she's much more proactive. Like she'd be out there and you know really finding Spider Man. Yeah, like finding Peter and then yeah.
1: Now one thing about Spider Man comics, I find he's either one hundred percent chill or zero percent chill. Yeah, seventy five percent chill (laughs) Spider Man. He's either like, hey, I'm quippy, I'm funny, or I'm gonna die. I hate my life. Yeah. I'm miserable even though I've married the hottest girl in New York City. Uh <laughs> it, it's like yeah. he really like needs to teenager. like uh, Well he yeah, at this point he's like gotta be like 24, 25. Yeah. Just needs to be medicated. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. He needs like some antidepressant to chill him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While he's talking to Reed, maybe he can like pick up something to, yeah. to help him. He needs some
0: serotonin uh balancers or something, yeah.
1: yeah. But I To that point, um, it's interesting because, like, he was on the verge. It's like, this is where Craven excels in the same way I find the Punisher excels. He reminds characters of why they are what they are. Because you could see Peter, like, he was on the verge of just going too far with Vermin. And then Mm -hmm. he remembered, no, he didn't. He's like me. He didn't have a choice in this. Our paths aren't so different. And in some multiverses. Peter Parker has like eight eyes and eight legs and yeah. pressures for a mouth so it's a very similar path um and that's kind of the fu- the the even when Z- when Peter has no chill it's not just grimder there's there's there feels like there's weight to the stories i, I mm-hmm. find like it just it's some of the like this is one of the reasons why this is one of the best Peter Parker Spider-Man stories is that intensity I find um but it doesn't feel like gratuitous and it doesn't feel like boring or overwrought yeah now and one last observation for me (laughs) is does does Mary Jane wear pants around the house ever either like it's like there's a pants aversion amongst all like I'm shocked (laughs) yeah like Ben wasn't walking around his house in his his tighty whities or something like, you know? like <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's like, and I, yeah. it is, I guess that kind of defines like ninety percent of the female cosplayers <laughs> cosplaying Mary Jane though. I mean, they don't really have a choice because she's either presented in that Spider Man T shirt and those tight jeans, or walking around in a men's dress shirt you know it's like yeah. right yeah no wonder they're like so many do that
0: cosplay i <laughs> i I, w- I wanted to see like she shows up at robbie robertson they do at the daily bugle and then robbie's not wearing pants it's like uh mr robertson <laughs> and then he- yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like oh, i was working late and i'm alone at the office <laughs> like
1: i spilled yeah. some coffee
0: yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah it was definitely coffee it was definitely yeah <laughs> oh that's so cute yeah okay, it was fun but yeah it was yeah this was really cool that was a great choice because like i've always known about craven's last hunt uh and i yeah. guess i've been every episode i've been seeing that iconic cover in your background lady but i um yeah i didn't realize it was this intense i like i was like craven's last hunt so he's just gonna like on spider-man for six issues or <laughs> and they like fight a bit and then he had some some more but i didn't realize it was like this like weird m- masterful plan um does it do you guys know how i don't remember how he i obviously at some point he got resurrected did they just like mm-hmm. pretend he hadn't killed himself and later no it's, it's
1: some demonic curse where he can't die until he hunts like like some ma- mystical game i don't know all of the details but i do know it's like some magic thing uh like a deal with oh, a okay. demon kind of thing um, Oh, okay is, yeah um why he like he's like magically cursed to be unable to die?
0: Oh, interesting. Ah,
1: but uh, unless he kills the the, the the ultimate game or something like that. Yeah,
2: which nice. possibly unbeatable Squirrel Girl introduced him to mm-hmm. in... Yes. <laughs> that would be so
0: funny if that was what it was like. If was that like was, yes. the ultimate game, the unbeatable squirrel girl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: She'll just like talk him out of it. She'll just like go like, "Hey, Craven, yeah. is this really what you want?" Like, yes.
0: And he's like, "No, I want to be friends and gossip forever together."
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any any last thoughts from anybody on this issue? Anything to share?
0: Uh, I don't know. I want to check out more Craven stuff now because, like, I didn't realize he also had, even though he's like this primal character, also had all these deals with different devils. Like, yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah, no, I like this, and I liked, um, like, yeah, I. I it was a good intro to Craven and understanding like the backstory because like without this he kind of like anytime he showed up before it, it just kind of he felt like a nonsensical character where this really gave him more like more of a backstory you kind of understood mm-hmm. where he was coming from a lot which definitely helped.
1: I yeah, mean, he was very much a, like a '60s character in that that like not quite Golden Age like not no longer Silver Age but that sort of like, weird. Kind of goofy, not really yeah. explained. Wears a child, ti- a lion's head as a coat. Um, yeah. like, just like there's some weird choices going on here between Stan and and you know and, and whoever he's collaborating with back in the 60s. Yeah.
0: Maybe they were on hallucinations when they were like, <laughs> I can guarantee they were. Yeah, on yeah, <laughs>
1: it was the 60s <laughs> what if there was
0: like this yeah like they're all like dropping acid smoking joints and like yeah
1: jazz cigarettes and coming up <laughs> all- yeah, yeah the jazz <laughs> <cigarettes>. yeah. <laughs> okay. well,
2: this was great
0: yeah. yeah thanks for sharing lady
2: thank you yeah sir. thanks for reading it and having this conversation <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> alright folks well this has been Detecting the Marvelous and we'll see you next time been listening to Detecting the Marvelous, a Far From Here Productions and Showbizmonkeys.com co-production. Your producers have been Dan Rosen, Laney LaRose, and Matt Ardell. Music composed by Glenn Bouchon, and art by Ben Steamroller. Thanks for listening, and remember, true believers, Excelsior!